Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we have with us Libby Rothschild. She is a sales and marketing expert who shows coaches and consultants how to create and market digital products. Welcome to the show, Libby. Hi, Libby. Tell me about the mistakes that people make when they're trying to sell some digital products. I know that as a side hustle, people write down ebooks or guides that they either give away or that you know sell online for some additional revenue. What mistakes are there that people make regarding that? Yeah, great question. Well, the first mistake is not creating digital products because it's a great market and it's a great opportunity to help reach more people by creating an offer online. And still only 16% of businesses are fully remote. So there's a a lot of opportunities uh, for healthcare practitioners to be creating digital products. And if you think about the benefit, you you have more accessibility so you can help more people when you're creating digital products. And just to be clear, defining digital products, that can be a free guide to get more people to join your email list. It could be an ebook, like you mentioned, online courses, a membership is considered a digital product, online coaching and masterminds, those are all called digital products. So there's a lot of different types of digital products. And if you're starting from the beginning, building your email list by creating a very simple free guide is a good first step. So I would say the first mistake people make is not creating any digital products. The second mistake people make, specifically healthcare practitioners, is not doing the market research and finding out what is it that people want and need so you can solve their problem through your digital product. And that's an important process and it can be iterative because sometimes folks will tell us what they want and we need to do more research to find out what do they really want and need that they're not telling us. So there's a lot of work with identifying our ideal plane and understanding what their biggest pains and problems are, and then finding a way and testing how we can use digital products to solve problems by providing transformations through our work, whether it be a free guide, an online course, or a mastermind program. Could you describe a little bit about your process in trying to ferret out what it is that they actually need, even though they are a little reluctant to tell you? Absolutely. The process of finding out what they need is firstly, identifying what your messaging is. And that's an important process that a lot of practitioners like to skip. It'll be very general. For example, I want to help people with wellness or I want to help people with gut health, but both of those topics are not very specific. So starting broad is okay. Let's say if we're going gut health and then keeping in mind that the more specific you can be with gut health, the more you're able to talk to people and identify what problem they have with gut health. And more specifically, 
Are they somebody with IBS that's newly diagnosed? Are they somebody with IBD that's you know been suffering with the diagnosis for a long time and they have a, a different path? They already know their symptoms and they're looking to manage them. So really getting clear with what area are you helping in? Like I mentioned, it could be gut health, could be the space, but then more specifically, what is the problem you're solving within that area? And that process starts with you having an idea and then clarifying that idea by talking to people and, and testing a little bit. And that testing could be through putting out content. It could be through having conversations online, like identifying who your ideal client is or somebody similar to them and having regular conversations, both often online. And I think that is a piece where there's a lot of friction with healthcare practitioners as they struggle a lot to have those, those conversations with people about their problems. So are you going into their social media platforms to see what it is that they're chatting about or questions that they're asking? Yeah, so that's one way. That's a, that's a great way. And there's so many options. So with you can go on keywords with TikTok and just look, what are people talking about? And you can search for keywords if it's gut health and find out what are the most common TikToks that are being created in the last week? What's popular? We all want to know what are people talking about in our space? So if we're aware, we can get a sense of narrowing down how we can focus our conversations when we're talking to people. So you can engage in conversations through first searching with what's important and relevant to focus your conversation. And then in other platforms such as Instagram, whether it's through a hashtag like gut health, or, and again, I'm using that as an example, but of course, if we replace that with any example, it could be through hashtags. It could be through conversations that are happening under a post. And it could be that you're taking time to engage genuinely with people through stories or through partners, maybe somebody who's in a similar space, but they're not a direct competitor and learning more about where do people who experience the problem that you solve or something similar, where do they spend time? And how can you find them and talk to them genuinely about what support they're looking for, or if they already have support, what journey are they going on to find solution with their problem? Have you yourself been creating any TikTok videos? Yeah, I do TikTok. I'm more on Instagram, but right now it's a repurposing strategy. So taking some of the content, both from TikToks and Instagram and finding a way to post them on both platforms. So yeah, we are on TikTok. We've been spending more more time building out our YouTube, which is longer form video. But yeah, we do short form video on Instagram and we are working on optimizing our repurposing strategy with TikTok and Instagram. But we've been using TikTok in my company for the last five years. We've been using Instagram as a primary platform and then podcasting. And then now YouTube is a newer one. So So do you find, sorry, do you find for TikTok that you're better off just having your message typed out and then you're using the trending music or is it that you just talk? Yeah, that's a great question. So a combination, short form video, by the way, is the future. So I'm glad you're talking about it. It's great that your audience can be aware that short form video is anything under 30 seconds or 60 seconds. So any kind of quick message, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So right now, social media is actually favoring original sounds. So it doesn't mean that you can't be taking a trending sound and using it. But right now, there's a huge push for you creating your own sound. So that could mean that you are doing something educational or even more, you might be coming up with a sound that other people can use. And the idea 
is that obviously the platforms there want to make money. And so if you are creating an original sound that's fun that catches on and becomes a trend, then more people are going to use the sound. And it's, you know, you're, it's this user-generated ecosystem that builds better with time because more people are creating better sounds that other creators can use. So that's the logic for those of you listening that are like, why is that happening? What is this world we're living in? The logic is that original sound will cause more people to be excited about using that sound for themselves to then be inspired to create their own unique sound and then get other people to create more sounds. Because the idea is that the social platforms want more users. They want more users creating more content. And so how do you get more people to create more content, create a more enticing, fun universe in the online space? So for those of you listening who are content creators, you can use trending sounds. If you're not doing anything, just get on there and start doing something. Using a trending sound is is a great idea. If you can create your own sound, that's optimal. That will you will be favored in the algorithm, but I always like to share advice and experiences from the lens of think about what stage of business you're at. If you've never posted a short form content piece of content, then you probably just want to start with whatever you can to put yourself out there and then optimize the process after you've been consistent instead of trying to be perfect and never actually putting out content. So the answer would be, well, what are you doing now? And if it's nothing, just get on there and start doing something. And then you can start to come up with a more strategic approach with your content strategy. So what fun sounds have you created for the the cyberspace? Yeah, so as far as me, I I don't do as much fun sounds that I create as much as educational. So I do a lot more original content with education than fun sounds. But what I do is I have my entire team and clients creating original content for us. So I've created an environment where our, our team and our clients are all content creators representing the brand. So if you go to Dietitian Boss on our Instagram, you'll see that we've got diversity. We have you know, a pregnant woman, we've got a younger dietitian, we have different diverse people living in different parts of the world with experiences and life circumstances, creating content from something that's relatable for fellow dietitians, since I serve dietitians, and then something educational about how to link your, your scheduling app to your Instagram page, right? So it's, it's just this really fun universe that's been created, ranging from some original sounds to some education, but more so through the lens of different content creators, all representing the method that I've created and talking about how they've adapted their lifestyle with where they're at based on following the framework that I've created. So have you been doing that while doing an original choreographed dance? You know what? I'm, I haven't gotten too big on the dancing yet. And it's not because I don't love dance. My husband and I take salsa dance lessons. It just hasn't come super authentically to me. So I haven't gotten gotten too down, you know, down with the dance moves myself. But knowing that that's popular, my clients do and and our staff. And and so I've been able to showcase them on our feed. So we show dancing on the feed. It's not always from the founder, though. I'll tell you that. And (laughs) it's it's intimidating for some folks, some, you know, doctors and practitioners are like, oh, my goodness, you know, I don't want to dance. And my advice on that would be if you don't feel like doing something, you don't have to do it. It goes back to our previous conversation. If you're not putting out any content the first question, the first answer would be put out content and then you can optimize it later. So if you're not really in tune with dancing, what's more important is that you're talking about the problem and the pains that people experience in your content. And then maybe you can revisit that in the future. And if you're not comfortable with it, I don't think there should be any pressure that you have to dance. I do think though that you need to be on video. Like that's the number one trend for social media is short form content. And that's video content, short form content, video under 30, under 60 seconds or 30 seconds. Yeah, vets have it made. They just have their talking dogs and everybody finds them cute. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Tell me, what mistakes do people make when they're marketing? Obviously, when they are putting out their content, if nobody knows that it's there, then there's really very little point or visibility to it. So obviously, people need to market it, meaning people just telling others that it exists and where to find it. So what mistakes do you find? I find that the biggest mistake with the marketing is that people give up too soon. And that's true in business. So it's content marketing can take longer than some other modalities to try to get clients, but it's really important for brand building. And I think the mistake that a lot of practitioners make, including our clients, is thinking it's enough to just show up. And showing up and showing your face, as I mentioned with short form video, is the first step. Now it's an important step, but we can't just expect to show up and then we're going to get a ton of sales or inquiries. It's not quite how it works. There's a lot of steps after showing up that matter. So it's improving your strategy. It's making sure you're talking to people in your market. It's taking the idea I mentioned earlier, gut health, and then narrowing down. What does that mean? What exactly are you serving or solving with the, the realm of gut health? And who is your ideal client? And what are their pains and dreams? So I think that content marketing and creating content is one small part of the equation. And it's an important part but I see a lot of entrepreneurs and practitioners get really frustrated when things don't automatically click. And the answer is usually, well, there's three, there's, you know, three more things you need to do if we're looking at a visual circle and content is on the you know, top part of the circle. And then we also have, okay, we need to be talking to people consistently. We need to be identifying our content, looking at our metrics and our insights and improving what we can with what we have until it becomes something more of what people want. And that's that process frustrates a lot of people. And I think if you go into content marketing, uh, it'll take a while. It's a process. And for some people, it'll happen faster. But if we focus on this is a brand building activity that will help set us apart from our competition, that will be an iterative process, that mindset shift hopefully can educate practitioners to know that this is a good place for you to be. And there's a lot of opportunity to learn and grow. And remember, that your potential customers are searching online. Like they're looking, they're hanging out, they're on social media. So it's a good opportunity for us as practitioners to be posting content so that we can get seen in front of them. And even if we don't right now, the more we are creating and the more we do something, the more ideally, the more strategic we will become. Of course, if you are looking at your insights and if you're looking to improve your, your messaging and your strategy. So what's the name of your little guy? Oh, I, I brought my dog and his name is Hamilton. And as we were chatting, he started eating my plant and I got a little nervous. We don't usually hang out together in my office. He's usually in the living room. He's a, he's a puppy and he's very rambunctious. So he, he needs a lot of attention. Yeah, I can see he's a puppy. What type of dog is he? He's a Pomeranian. He's just, his hair hasn't quite grown in as a Pomeranian's would. So he's, he's in what's called the puppy uglies phase. My husband doesn't like me selling, saying that because he thinks it sounds negative. And he's, he said, Oh, I don't think people will understand. If you see puppy uglies, they'll think you're saying your puppy is ugly. And that's not true. So we Googled it because we were like, why is his hair coming in weird? And this is for a year and a half, the Pomeranians look like chihuahuas. So this is apparently normal, uh, but we didn't know that when we, when we got him. So he's been a fun little addition to our family. We got him a couple months ago. Are you going to have him get the teddy bear cut? Absolutely. I cannot wait for him. I'm so glad you know what that is. I'm, I don't know if you're a dog mom yourself, but they said he's a little too young and he needs to be three pounds before he can get a haircut. So he's 2.7 right now. So I cannot wait for him to get a teddy cut when he's big enough. Is he going to five pounds or six pounds? 
So we don't know. Both of his parents were nine pounds, but he's oh. almost four months and he's, or sorry, no, he is, is he five months? He'll be five months in a couple of days and he's still pretty small for his age. Yeah, so I've I, never actually heard of that breed getting to nine pounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So they, they can range anywhere from, I think, three to nine, although I've seen dogs, Pomeranians, up to 20 pounds. So Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can be on the larger or on the smaller side. So we just don't know what's going to happen here with Hamilton. A little too much snacking involved there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, sometimes I say to my dog, you know, like you've been snacking too much. And then I think, yeah, so who's giving it to him? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm learning all sorts. I'm learning everything about the dog. This is my first puppy. It's our first dog. So we're learning all about the dog. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fetch. So does he? Yeah. He, he's hyperactive. So he, he loves fetch and attention and I can't leave him for too long. So it's fun. That's good. What myth do you speak about in terms of six and seven figure businesses? Yeah, well, I think that I'm going to come from the lens of the lifestyle business, which means that you're creating a business for your lifestyle and not necessarily to sell your business. And I don't want to have any judgment for those that create more of a growth business where they create it to sell versus those that are, you know, they build a business because they want to have a flexible lifestyle and have time with their families. And both are great options. I, I subscribe and teach the lifestyle method because our clients as practitioners want to build a business around their lifestyle. So with the lifestyle business, I'm going to speak about six and seven figure mistakes from a lifestyle business standpoint, not from a growth standpoint, because I see those as two different tracks. I think a big mistake, and, and it's tough in the online world, is that there's this idea that you can just wake up. If, you, if your listeners are familiar with Tim Ferriss, there's this idea that you can just be this laptop lifestyle entrepreneur and work an hour a week and, and make six and seven figures with high profit margins. And where that can be true, I don't want to not speak of the work that goes into building this and the level of leadership needed to work less and make more. And I notice a lot of practitioners that want to build a lifestyle business, including our clients, they think that they can work less and make more at the same time. And there's a lot of, there's this disconnect between how long of a journey it takes to build the infrastructure uh, to create the lifestyle that you want, whether it be however you want that outcome looks, it's different for every person. So I think the biggest myth is that you can have this lifestyle where you can do whatever you want, take time off any second you want and make, you know, these huge margins, but that there's a ton of work that goes into that. And especially when it comes to recurring revenues. I think I just heard, a collective, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and especially because when you're building a business that's sustainable, you have to think about recurring revenues. And you also have to think about some metrics that are different when you're looking for a lasting business sustainability than for a growth business. Like when you're at the beginning stage, when you're just trying to grow. So if you're trying to build a business that can guarantee you, not guarantee, nothing's guaranteed, but that can probably help you get six figures continually or seven figures. If you're looking for sustainability and the amount of money, you make, whether that be revenues or profits, you're going to have to look at your business a little differently. And the key metrics are no longer sales and marketing, but there now will be, do I have my processes in place? Even if you don't have employees or you have a small staff, you want to be able to have to retain the folks that you do have. And you're also going to want to look at recurring revenue. So how can I make a business and how can I create offers that will support people long-term? And, and that's something that a lot of 
business owners I see are not factoring in. So it's this number one myth that you can work more, sorry, work less and make more really fast. And then there's another myth that you're designing a business for a snapshot of time and not looking at the big picture. So we always have to design long-term and think about reverse engineering. What do I want? And if it is reoccurring revenues, then there's a lot of metrics besides sales and marketing that will go into play. No matter if it's six or seven figures, I don't care how big you want to make this, uh, you're still going to need to get, you know, you're going to have to work on your management and your leadership. And that's the part that a lot of people are like, Ooh, it's hard. Delegation is hard. And working on staff, especially in this economy, is it's tough. Making sure you've got the right people who are excited. That means that your business has to be attractive. You have to have a lot of hiring processes. You have to start thinking more about your staff than you do about your clients because your staff will help take care of your clients. So there's just a lot that goes into building a business that I think a lot of folks, it's harder to hear. And it's also not as sexy to market than it is to say you can work less. And, and I'm all about working less and making more, but I also want to be really clear there's a lot that goes into that and, and a lot of people don't want to do the work. They, and, and it, you know, it goes back to content marketing. You have to keep at it and be patient and it, it will work, but it, it you know, takes some time. And it's the same thing with building a business. It's having the mindset of learning and growth and having the mindset that the key metrics are going to be varied. They're not just going to be sales and marketing. They're going to include a lot more than you think. And, and just having a growth mindset can help with that process. Absolutely. I understand that you have a little guide or a gift for our listeners today. Could you tell us about that? Absolutely. So for those of you that are interested in learning more about content marketing, I actually have a caption guide that's free. If you head on over to LibbyRothschild.com, you can get my free download and it's a social media caption guide. So you can think less about creating really great copy and plugging and playing it, whether it's for TikTok or Instagram or even Facebook. So if you want to go ahead and grab that at LibbyRothschild.com and feel free to reach out to me with any questions or comments you have as well. So my goal is to help you create content and not give up so that you can reach more people in your business. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today, Libby. You've been listening to Libby Rothschild at Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.